Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast. My name is Nina Sunday and my guest today is David Averin, CSP. He's one of the most in-demand speakers uh, talking to audiences around the world about competitive advantage, customer service. Um, he's worked with thousands of CEOs. Uh, he was a, a, a CEO himself uh, for a major enterprise. So he's got a number of celebrated marketing books. Uh, the one I've been reading is Why Customers Leave and How to, how to, how to Get Them to Return. But he's got a new book coming up, The Morning Huddle. We'll be talking about that. But first of all, welcome, David Averin. So pleased to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, my friend. It's great to be here. Let's uh, let's talk marketing. Let's talk leadership. Let's talk whatever you don't want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, well, this this podcast is aimed at managers, and experienced and aspiring, who lead sure. teams and all aspects. And and really, it's to elevate their leadership and transform culture. And one of the topics we haven't yet discussed on this podcast is uh, is really customer service and the customer experience. It seems to me that because, you know, I, I go out and speak about customer service myself sometimes, and I find that people are fairly smug about, oh, yes, I give good customer service. And they, sure. they don't know what they don't know. What's the one thing you find people skate over, gloss over, don't realize uh, that they really should know about how to how to serve people properly. Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges is that we get kind of caught up in in understanding how we want to treat people. And I think we get that. I think I think most of them do get it. I think they gloss over it because most are very good at understanding you, you have a culture, you get it or you don't. Right. We've been talking about it for 30 years. But what's really shifted in the last several years is this, this shift of focus from customer service to customer experience. And the customer service is something that we deliver. It's something that we offer. It's how we engage or the, the attitude and the, and the words that we use. But the experience is what they receive. And what's changed is how much of how we buy today. So how much of that, that transaction, that interaction is digital? How much of that doesn't even involve a person? So when I when I, I speak at a conference and they, they give me a nice check and I sit in the back of the Uber and I sign the back and take a picture of it, none of that involves somebody saying, so what are your plans for the weekend? Banks and financial institutions are scrambling because they have historically thought their competitive advantage was, was this, was, was the relationship, right? We know our customers by name. Well, what happens when most of those interactions and transactions don't involve people. Now, many of them clearly certainly do. But to answer your question, I think the disconnect is that we think it's about what we want to say. And what's really shifted for customers, clients, constituents, whatever you want to call them, is how they perceive that interaction, that transaction, how easy are you to do business with. And that is what is driving purchase decisions. It's what's driving loyalty decisions. So I think, I think we look at a customer service is fairly simplistic, though very, very important. Customer experience is more complex every day. So you've recently done at least two years research into yeah. uh, what are the latest trends and what do, what do uh, customers really want? One of the things you mentioned is about uh, they, they don't want marketing copy. They don't want to know your story. They don't want to know your why. They're only interested in what's in it for them. So yeah, they're right, right. <laughs> so yeah, we hear, this we whole hear copywriting theme, you know, about tell them your story. But 
how effective is that really? I, I just I just think it's just so in vogue right now to say they need to know your why. No, they don't. You need to know your why. You need to know why you're doing. That's what drives you every day. They need to know their why. And I think they're pretty clear on their why. What we, we think that if we tell them this deep story, it's like, no, I just need to buy your sheepskin seat covers. I don't need to know that you want to save the world. I'm thrilled that you do, but it has very little impact. Now, for those true believers, right, for almost any organization, for those of you watching or listening who want to disagree with me, you're welcome to do so. But yeah, your true believers are always going to be part of the cause. But 90% of your prospective customers and clients don't have to believe what you believe. They just have to like what you're selling. And so we do get kind of caught up in, in sort of what we want to say. Now, historically, it's been, and, and, and organizations still love to talk about this. From a marketing perspective, we love to talk about our quality and our commitment and our caring and our trust and our people. And of course, if you're in food service, uh, you know, we, we always start with the freshest ingredients. I mean, my God, you're, ser you're serving me food. What is the alternative? Everybody starts with the freshest ingredients. You know, you know, we use nearly expired ingredients, but we pass the savings on to you. <laughs> well, so true. Well, we're talking about quality. And I hear CEOs still talk to organizations. Listen, folks, at the end of the day, it's still about quality. And I could not disagree more. At the beginning of the day, it's about quality. I mean, quality is incredibly important, but that's the entry fee into the marketplace. At the end of the day, it's about competitive advantage. It's not about what you do well. It's what do you do better than others who do it well? So from a marketing standpoint, we love to talk about quality, commitment, caring, trust people. But what the research is showing very, very clearly and even more exacerbated, ex accelerated during the pandemic is while we talk about quality, our customers value speed of service. They value flexibility and choices and convenience. Today, convenient is better than better. Faster is better than better. And mostly because everybody's good. I mean, if you weren't good, you wouldn't survive today. You would be outed very quickly on Yelp and TripAdvisor and Rotten Tomatoes and Glassdoor, right? There's this perception, and I think it's an accurate one, that kind of everybody's good, but who can get it to me faster? Who's the one who's going to say yes and understand my life? So it seems to me that perhaps uh, managers who lead teams who are in a position to drive continuous improvement. Do you think they're resting on their laurels a bit? It's like, well, we're doing okay. We're getting the results. So I don't have to do anything extra as right. opposed to always seeking a continuous improvement. Sure. Um, you know what? I don't know that I, that I think that's the case. I think they're just misguided. I think they oh. are trying to get better, but they think the difference is if we can be a little bit better in quality, if we can optimize this particular process internally, and the reality is, the, I think the focus needs to be on what's changed in the lives of our customers and what are they looking for differently. We get very focused on this sort of this, this employee-centric culture. And, and once again, I think people might disagree with me, but the, the challenge is I think the pendulum has swung so far into making sure that our employees are happy and that we have great, flexible work environment. And all of that's very important. It's just not more important than your customers. And then you see things being spread around, you know, the, the bumper sticker meme culture and every day on my cell phone, it looks like, you know, a business fortune cookie is throwing up all over my mobile phone because it's just these pithy little quotes. And then you get stuff like, you know, our, our employees are more important than our customers or Sir Richard Branson, who isn't a fan, but he says, uh, he says, it's very simple. If you treat your employees well, they'll treat your customers well. I think that's ludicrous. 
are, are we treat our, our customers well when we understand them and their life and their needs and, and we have a service mindset, not because we have volleyball courts and, and a personal chef in our office. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, you, you know what, what makes employees really happy? Getting a paycheck every week. You know what makes employees really happy? Having a successful company that they can work for for 10 years or longer. And so what's changed, and from a leadership perspective to answer your question is, is I think the shift needs to go, I always keep a a focus on quality. That's the foundation, right? But while we are so clear on what the pandemic has meant for us and our business and our employees and our our finances, what I talk about uh, and what I write about is what's changed in the world of your customers and your clients and their preferences and their priorities and their frustrations because our customers are more than their demographics. They have rich, complex, wonderful, um, tragic lives. Every, I mean, they're real people just like us. And so how do we better align with what's changed in the world so we become the best choice in a sea of good choices? One of the customer frustration uh, themes that I've regularly seen when I've been working with my groups sure. is um, <clears throat> that the people on the front line have certain experiences, but the managers are unaware of of what's really happening mm-hmm. at the coal face. And there might be even be patterns like the same uh, policy or procedure is causing frustration, but because the um, team member isn't asked, what's been your experience? Uh, it, yeah. it's never, it never rises to the surface to be fixed. Is that something <laughs> you find? It's a huge issue. I think you've hit you've hit the nail right on the head. There has to be systems and processes in place for for negative experiences, points of frustration, comments, um, sighs. When the when somebody is is throwing their hands up, going unbelievable, that's a pretty good sign that somebody's not liking you very much, right? And sometimes it's the cause is inflexibility. Sometimes it's it's a weight or whatever that is. But if there isn't a system in place, let me tell you a really quick story. So I travel extensively, of course, when there's not a pandemic, and I was flying through Chicago, Chicago O'Hare Airport, and I'm sitting at the railing having lunch, and I'm really close to the hostess station. She's the one who, who seats everybody in the restaurant. And a man comes up and he asks her a question. She shakes her head no, he throws up his arms in frustration, and he leaves. Then a woman goes up, asks her the exact same question. She says, no, sorry, they leave. And I'm watching person after person. I'm thinking they've lost $1,000 in the last hour well, you will not be surprised to learn that that question is actually the most common question asked at airport restaurants. And the question was, do you have any seats next to an electrical outlet? Because they want to plug in their laptop or their phones or something else. So here's the question. And I, and I pose this to my audiences as well. And I said, do you think that she passed that information on to her manager? Probably not. And the reality is she was great. She was really, really hardworking, but she had a mindset that her job was to do her job and not to build her business. That's a culture, that's a leadership issue. And so if she looks for those opportunities to be able to pass on information here, I think we could do this better. Or what if we did this? Or do you know I've been asked four times for something if we offer it and we don't? Well, how does leadership know if there's sufficient demand to justify increasing your, your offerings of your services or your products or others? We are entering an age, and by age, I mean 2021 and beyond, that will require an extraordinary level of accommodation and communication and flexibility. We say no far too often. 
And, uh, and we're, we're going to need to say yes a little more often, not, not to the point of, of a detriment to our profitability, <clears throat> but we need to be open to, uh, to some unique requests, which is really scary for business owners. And also, don't the right? staff have to be, uh, the teams have to be empowered, individual team members have to be empowered to say yes. Now this, I've heard managers say, oh yes, but what if they give something away that, you know, we don't approve of? It's like, well, that's better than, than you know, being stubborn. I'll give you one example. They are, This particular motel only has percolated coffee, fresh coffee every 45 minutes. But if they want an ex, uh, a, one from the cappuccino machine, which is common in Australia, sure, they have to pay for that. But the coffee had run out and it was going to be another 45 minutes. And the guy said, oh, you know, just walked out in frustration. Now, he was a captive audience, according to the staff member. Yeah. But I was saying to the manager, you know what? You should empower that staff member to say it's going to be forty minutes. Here's a here's here's one on the house. Sure, it's simple. When, when, when you preclude your team from making decisions, because that's scary, right? We let people. We don't want we don't want anarchy. You also prevent them from pleasing customers from doing extra. If everybody has to follow the script, because the problem is we, we interview people for jobs, right? We look at their resume, we, we interview them, we ask them tough questions. Tell me a time when something didn't go right. Tell me how you handled that, right? And then we find the perfect person, we hire them, and then we neuter them. Now we say, just do it this way. Your team is brilliant more than you know. There is rich experience. That's why you hired them. Let them be real, but the, the problem is, is this, this sort of this attitude, well, if we do it for them, we got to do it for everybody. I'll give you an example. A young woman goes to a restaurant with her friends and she orders a chicken Caesar salad and says, can I get shrimp instead of chicken? And the waiter says, sorry, we don't do any, um, no substitutions. Why? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Because he doesn't want to figure it out and the chef doesn't want to do it. Who cares what the chef wants to do, right? I'm just saying she wants shrimp. It's another protein, charge her $2 more. My gosh, it's so easy. The alternative of course is not giving her what she wants. And then she doesn't come back. You've lost the lifetime value of that customer or even worse. And this is the real danger today, Nina. The danger is that people won't just, just leave. They'll leave angry or frustrated. And they go online and they rant and they say all these nasty things. Well, you could have just said something, but that's but the excuse that we get all the time is, well, if we do it for her, we got to do it for everybody. No, you don't. You don't. Because most people won't ask for an accommodation. They won't ask for something special. It is a cop-out. It's lazy when they say, well, we got to do it for everybody. Well, everybody isn't here. Everybody isn't <laughs> here. Not everybody wants a different thing. Do it for the people who, who ask, if you can. And you will galvanize loyalty. You will increase. I mean, like, they'll think you're wonderful. Why? Because you're wonderful. Just be wonderful. The letter E in service stands for go the extra mile. Do, sure. <laughs> do a little bit. Do a well, little and bit. the thing is, our customers are talking to us. They're telling us what they want. 
I was leaving a hotel early morning. I was speaking to a CEO roundtable group. It's seven in the morning. I walk out and I stop at the front desk and I say, I'm in room 227. I need to do a late checkout, please. She goes, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, we're not doing any late checkouts. I said, uh, yikes, I'm like leaving right now. I'm not gonna be able to be back. She goes, yeah, you gotta be out by noon. We have a conference coming in. I said, well, I don't even get off stage until noon, but I'm really close. I can be back by 1220. I'll be out the door by 1230. She goes, yeah, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I can't be out. She goes, she honestly said this to me, poor girl. She says, if you can't be out by noon, I'm going to have to charge you for a second day. And I looked at her and I smiled and I'm thinking, have you met me? So I just said, okay, if you're going to charge me for a second day, I'm just not going to check out at all. If I pay for the room, I get to keep it, right? Legal rights there. But now you don't have a room for that conference attendee. Is that the outcome that you were looking for? And she's like, um, hang on, right? Because her manager in the back told her no late checkouts, right? So she comes back and says, um, one o'clock would be fine. Sure, you think, right? Because the manager in the back who said, oh yeah, we got that conference, no late checkouts today. That's lazy yeah, because not everybody's exactly. gonna ask for it. And if you got five people that want it or 10 people, just clean the other rooms. That's the age that we're entering. You know, We have to be, we have to find a way to say yes. But the challenge is we've got a process that we wanna follow because it's predictable for us, right? We've created this, this customer journey and it, it's predictable and it's, it's profitable. And if we can predict their behavior and their purchases, and, and then we can plan for that, right? We can plan for a cash flow. Here's the problem. The problem is your customers have never read your employee manual. They don't know how they're supposed to do it. They just know how they want to do it. So we've got to be flexible. Working with their teams, do you think, I, I believe you've got some sort of content that is designed to help them uh, keep the conversation going on a regular basis. Do you want to tell us about that? Sure, absolutely. And listen, I give great credit to managers and others. I think they are working hard to understand the customers, but we look at it from understanding from the perspective of what are they likely to buy? When are they likely to buy? How much are they likely to buy? As opposed to understand what a day in the life of our customers is like. What influences that? What the things that they want to buy? What are the things that um, that affect their behavior and their attitudes and their frustration and all of those things as well? And I think we need to be better tuned in. So as I speak around the world, oftentimes, and people are so nice to me, and you understand that, right? We get done. Not many people have a job where people clap for them at the end of the day, right? Um, so it's a bit surreal. But a lot of times, meeting planners and others would come up and they'd say, "So that was great. How do we how do we keep the conversation going? How do we make sure we don't lose momentum?" And so I created a membership subscription series called the Customer Experience Advantage Morning Huddle. And it's been the most rewarding work I've ever done in my life. And so every week I write a new script and I, and I challenge teams and I create a video and it challenges them on, on how they're, they're behaving towards their customers, what they think they're thinking, how, at what points do we cross certain conversational lines? How often are we saying no? And so it's not meant as a motivational minute. It's about six or seven minutes to really challenge them and spark conversation. The whole idea is I think, and I'm a big believer in you facilitating your training as well. The answers are in the room, aren't they? Right. It, oh, sometimes yeah. it takes a facilitator. You've already hired brilliant people. Crowdsource your own team for the best ideas. So my morning huddle initiative uh, is literally it sparks a conversation, a different subject every week. It's seven minute video and a 20 minute conversation to really focus on uh, on on the changing world of our customers. And even if they disagree with me, that's OK. 
They just need to decide together. Here's what we believe. Here's how we're going to do it. And we're going to be consistent across the organization and develop a reputation. And from that comes the best ideas and new initiatives. And we're now in, in languages around the world. And it's pretty exciting. It's just at, at, morning, at customerexperienceadvantage.com. Excellent. Excellent. And we'll post that in the show notes. Yeah. And, oh. and the scripts from that and all of that is what drove my brand new book. Oh, so fabulous. Not, when does that so come out? So it's not reflecting on the screen. It's called The Morning Huddle. Yeah. And it's a power, powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up, shake you up, and win more business. So All right. that's pretty exciting for me as well. And each one is just a different subject to spark conversation internally. When, whenever I'm working with, a small, with, with teams, um, I often find there are a few resistors, people that go, well, I'm paid to do this job. Do, uh, what, sure. Why do I have to be friendly as well? And how do you re-motivate someone like that that just doesn't get it? Right. Well, I think part of it is, is alignment. You know, people are always going to be different, right? Different person personalities. You've got the extroverts and the introverts and the and the engineers and the, the customer service people. But the alignment is really on uh, not just the success of our company, which is the core of everything. I, I asked the question, why are we in business? And there's only one answer. And the answer is to make a profit. Now, how we do it, right? Ben and Jerry's ice cream or other does it different than Microsoft. But if we don't make a profit, we're not in business. And the greatest service we can do for our team, for our families, is to run a smart, profitable business. Well, in today's world, it's by being a better choice than others who are good. And so it's alignment over what does it take? So one of the things I advise for leaders and others is pull back the curtain. Help your people understand how we make money. Help them understand what is profitable and what is not. And the salespeople who love to give away as much as possible because they want that commission, at some point you've got the law of diminishing return and it's no longer a profitable venture. The bean counters, right? The finance people love to cut staff and automate checkout. Well, at some point it becomes so inconvenient that people actually leave, right? So everything today is about that balance. So to answer your question, I think we get everybody on the same page to understand what's the outcome we're looking for and what drives that. And the number one thing that drives it is happy, aligned customers who really like you. Our job is to be likable to our customers. Um, I think Seth Godin had a great line that says, marketing is a competition for other people's attention. It's yes. a great line. But what does it take today? Now, historically, it's us talking about ourselves, right? Here's what makes us great. We have the freshest food. Quality is job one. Today is different, Nina. Today, it's what other people say about us. And it's far more impactful. And so the things that we do influences how other people think about us and how they talk about us and what they share online, what they share to others. It's social proof. So I think every you can have whatever, whatever personality you want, but we have to understand that that number one is happy, frequent, returning customers. And you want people with energy, vitality, and sure. enthusiastic about uh, well their contribution to the team, if not to to the customer. You know, so that we're all working working together. Sure. Just referring back to some classic research that's been around for a long time that put uh, the reason customers leave is indifference, like at sixty eight percent. Is there more recent figures? Is there, are there different reasons now? Or is it yeah, it's, is it it's shifted a little bit. But yeah, I think at the core, you're right. Um, and people think it's because, you know, they hate you. No, if, if you go to a restaurant, somebody says, how was it? And they go, eh, it's all right. All right kills you, 
right? If you go online and you see a restaurant, another business or anything with, with a long string of three stars out of five, that means nobody loved you. You lose because there's other competitors because we're not making the decision in a vacuum. There's other competitors who got five-star ratings. Even if occasionally you get a one, people know that not everybody's going to be happy, right? But indifference, as they say, the opposite of love isn't hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Indifference is a killer for business. And so we look at the things that, that drive... Um, I mean, well, here's the answer to your question. What's changed is that's always going to be the foundation of it. But what's changed today is there is a level of frustrated customers who have vehicles and venues to share their frustration like we've never had before in history. And there is no truth test to the internet. And the internet is forever. And so what's different today is as hard as it is to swallow our pride and fall on our sword, we can really never let anybody go away completely unhappy. You know, we've always tried with customers and clients. Sometimes you just realize somebody's not going to be happy. They're just not everybody. Just somebody's not going to be on. And you just write them off. Today, you can't. Mm -hmm. Today, you have to find a way to temper that frustration. You have to be able to give them something. One of my morning huddle videos talks about that. It's like, get to the end when you, when you have to fire a customer and you realize you've had enough. And at that point, when you made that decision, that's when you have to give them one more thing. And just say, listen, if, if I'm willing to do blank, can we call it good? Somebody has, has a negative review online. Every business should be monitoring any negative reviews. Reach out to those people. What would it, I'm sorry you had a bad experience. What would it take? Well, I want this and this. Well, they can't always have what they want. So the magic phrase, of course, is, well, let me tell you what I can do, right? Even if you have to say no to a customer, let me tell you what I can do. That's enough to temper that. But you go to that frustrated person saying, let me tell you what I can do. If I'm willing to do this, would you be willing to take down your negative review? I mean, that's the world we live in today. And in many cases, it works. So what's that, different today is the frustrated people can hurt you and they can hurt you bad. That is such a piece of gold, David, that if you do get a negative review, and I think uh, the, 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 the figure that's quoted, if you get back to an unhappy customer within 72 hours, is that still the case? And oh, turn, oh, faster. Yeah, turn it around they will become your biggest advocate. And if you can entice them to actually take down a negative review, which they can because they can go in and delete it. Right. If you can negotiate with an unhappy customer, wow, that's reputation management. That's right. Well, and and what's, what's hard is even when we know we're right, listen, we're trained at an early age with our brother and sister. That's not my fault. I'm not going to take the blame for something I didn't do. It was so-and-so, right? It, this is not a relationship of equals. The reality is the customer has the power and it doesn't mean that we do something so horrific on our part, but there's times where, you know, in with pink, out with blue, and we just try and, and calm down enough. But the reality is uh, we have to fall on our sword. Even when we know we're right, we still have to even, not everybody ultimately is going to be profitable. And sometimes just to get them to go away um, less angry is a victory. And I don't want to focus too much attention, but you asked the question is why people leave today. It's, it's anything that delays what they have. I mean, how many businesses are optimized for speed, for speed of service, speed of access, speed of answers, speed of response. I was talking to somebody the other day, they close at six o'clock. I said, what do they go after hours? No, we don't do after, after hours chat or tech support. I said, why? Because our stuff is pretty complicated. So you make them wait till the next day. Yeah. Because we don't want to have to train them. 
what happens to people who are mad at 10 o'clock? Can you imagine how, how mad they're going to be by 2 a.m.? Right? The world, the world, I mean, like, have you met me? You know, the world is, is different. And so, you know, the indifference is, is a problem. And that's just for companies that don't have anything really special. They're just really good at what they do. But what's different today is the ramifications of underperformance, the ramifications of letting frustrated customers go can be a death sentence for businesses. And it's true for your competitors as well, by the way. You're ringing the bell. And I think on that note, you're telling people that they where they really have to place their focus or, or include it amongst all the right. other things that they're looking at. We have to be multi Nobody leaves unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's such a pleasure pleasure talking with you, David. You've uh, shared some real nuggets of gold there. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll have where they can get uh, the uh, morning huddle experience uh, in the show notes. And um, sure. thank you so much for joining with us today. Thank you for having me. It's great talking to you on the other side of the planet. And <laughs> soon we'll be in the same room together. So we've been speaking with David Averin, CSP on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast. Uh, and this is for experienced and uh, aspiring managers who lead a team to ele elevate their leadership and their self-leadership. So my name is Nina Sunday. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.